Hello. Welcome to Free Your Children on WXRQ 1460 AM Christian Radio. I am your host, Tiffany Boyd, and my mission is to share the truth and love about education. There is a battle raging for the souls of our nation's children. I hope this ministry equips you for battle. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. Thank you to the sponsors of Free Your Children Radio Show and the Free Your Children Ministry, and of course, to those of you who continue to support biblical education. If you are interested in sponsoring the Free Your Children Radio Show, you can reach me at freeyourchildren at gmail.com. If you would like to find out more about Free Your Children, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm also a monthly contributor to the Murfreesboro Pulse. You can find those articles at boroughpulse.com. I am also currently in the process of having a website constructed, so soon I will have that information and you can find me there as well. Today, we have a special guest with us, Dr. Douglas Petersma. I want to introduce him to our listening audience. Dr. Petersma is a researcher in the field of home education, a homeschooling father, the director of a church-based home education support ministry, and a curriculum writer of home education foreign language courses. His professional work includes being the editor of the Homeschool Research, a peer-reviewed journal of the National Home Education Research Institute. He oversees the review and revision of submitted manuscripts, as well as formatting of approved manuscripts for hard copy and online publishing. He is also a research associate with NERI. He is a public speaker and freelance writer and serves as a mentor for graduate and postgraduate student and dissertation committee member at Regent University. He is the founder and owner of Altameda Enterprises, LLC. Dr. Petersma is also a veteran of the United States Air Force, where he served for 20 years as an intelligence analyst. He retired in 2015 at the rank of major. Dr. Petersma is married to Tafara, and they have two children who are homeschooled. He is also active in church ministry, where he currently serves as the interim pastor for a church plant ministry in Elk Mountain, Wyoming. Welcome, and thank you for your service, Dr. Thank you very much for having me, Tiffany. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, I'm so excited for our listeners to get to know more about you and everything that you have to offer. You have quite an extensive bio, and I will actually post that entire bio over on my Free Your Children page so our listening audience can see exactly all that you are know all about and have expert advice to give in all those areas. But I wanted to start tonight with maybe you sharing your personal, your family's personal homeschool journey with our listeners. Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. Um, we are a homeschool family and have been so ever since our children were uh, became school age. We started homeschooling our daughter right off the bat, uh, school age, when she hit school age, and then our younger child, our son, uh, some years after that. So we have homeschooled all the way through. My daughter is now graduated. She actually graduated last summer and was very exciting. Uh, I'm not sure if she was more excited or I was just to be able to you know, get to the end of that journey and then see her off into uh, adulthood, still homeschooling uh, the youngest child of my son. And we started off pretty much like what I would consider a, a, a what I would call a traditional homeschooling family. And when I say traditional, I simply mean that I was working, I was in the military, active duty, 
working full time. And my wife took care of most of what we, you would consider the homeschooling responsibility. She did the teaching. She has a background in elementary education. And, and I was the supporting father. I was the working father and cared for the finances and got involved with uh, the portions of homeschooling as it was appropriate, you know, curriculum selection and purchasing, uh, family discipleship kinds of things. Uh, and so we kind of started off that way. And that's how a lot of homeschooling families are. You know, probably the, the majority of them, especially uh, Christian homeschooling families. Uh, but then over time, it started to change. Once I got out of the military in 2015, uh, I decided to take my daughter's uh, education workload off my wife's plate. Uh, she focused on my son, uh, who is our, our special needs child. We'll talk about that in a little bit, I believe. Um, but um, I took over my daughter. She was transitioning into you know middle school. And so we kind of had this sort of dual track. I took care of my daughter. My wife took care of my son. Uh, and then a few years later, my wife had an opportunity uh, for a work from home career uh, opportunity. She took that. And then I also brought my son on board with what I was doing. So I was homeschooling both my daughter and my son at the same time, uh, up to the point where my daughter graduated last uh, summer and I continued to, to homeschool my son. So we're a, a small homeschooling family in, in that a lot of families have more than, uh, than two children. But the dynamics are a little bit different. In the fact that I uh, took on first one child and then both of them, and I am the the primary instructor for both of them, uh, and now just the one that is the one that is remaining. Uh, so it's a, it's interesting because I've been through a couple of different dynamics of how the the homeschool uh, you know set up in in the family, and of course, like many other families, we've gone through iterations of what we do and how we do it. And, you know whether or not we have a schoolroom or whether we're schooling right. in different places in our house. It's 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 great to see that flexibility, yes. uh, and especially with the flexibility of each of our children being able to adapt to that. I find that to be uh, one of the greatest things. And so that's kind of our, our our homeschooling journey in a nutshell. We're not quite done yet, uh, but even I think when my son graduates, I will still find a way to continue to be involved in home education because I think it is uh, one of the most valuable and important things we can do uh, in the Christian community, especially for our children for our future. Absolutely. Well, you spoke a little bit just then about your son. I know that there may be people in the listening audience tonight that have special needs children and they think that they are not qualified to homeschool their children because of that set of circumstances. So I think it would be great to hear your perspective about homeschooling a special needs child. So could you tell us a little bit about your son and what that looks like within the homeschooling world for your family? Absolutely. Uh, and this has been a real blessing to us to be able to do what we do as far as educating our son. Uh, we, we started off, I say that my children have been homeschooled since the beginning. Uh, I should probably clarify, we have been, they have been home educated at home from the beginning. My son actually did start uh, school in a public online school. Uh, he was, we, we felt as parents uh, that he needed a special education teacher with that uh, background and expertise. Uh, and I know a lot of parents uh, are, are with that too. And he went uh, several years in that program and his teachers were great. And the programs, uh, you know, were uh, I think sufficient is how I would describe them. They obviously were not Christian based, which is something right. that we as a Christian family want to, to focus on. Uh, but the biggest issue really was the fact that they could only spend really a certain amount of time, even in an online special education program. Uh, the teachers were only seeing him a couple of times a week. It was really a very few hours. We were still facilitating a lot of his work at home as his education facilitators. That's what they like to call us. And, and this is when my wife was doing it. So it wasn't me. Uh, but, you know, we saw his progress and he was making progress. 
but the more I learn about education, the more I researched, the more I dug into it, the more I realized that the public online or even the public brick and mortar special education programs are really not designed to help students reach their maximum potential. They're designed to move the students along at any level of increase. And so the metric for most school districts for success with special education students is if they progress 1% from one year to the next, they've made progress and that's considered a success. Uh, and of course we sitting back as parents kind of know our child. I believe every parent knows their child better than any teacher can, especially a teacher that's you know gonna see him for a year or two at the most. Uh, we know them better and seeing our son, we knew there was more uh, to be done. So as I've researched in education, there's a couple of concepts that have always popped up as indicators of student success. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is student-to-teacher ratios. Right. And even, even in a public school, even when they limit the number of like a special education class, you're still going to have one teacher per 10 to 15 students or something like that. Right. Um, and that's a lot of divided time. Mm -hmm. uh, and in a homeschool, even when you've got a big family, even if you have five or six kids or more than that, you're still going to have a better student-teacher ratio in your home than you're ever going to find pretty much in those uh, in those uh, special education programs. Mm -hmm. The second thing I noticed is an academic term. I've noticed it in research called academic engagement time. And academic engagement time is uh, how much time a teacher spends engaged with each student. Um, and in a classroom, multiple students, whenever a teacher is engaged with one student, that's academic engagement time for that student. But for the other students, it's not. Mm -hmm. And so over the course of a day, you know, a student's only going to get a handful of minutes of direct academic engagement time in those multi-student scenarios. Whereas at home, you know, it can literally be hours and hours on end if it needs to be, or it can be shorter time given the student's needs for uh, breaks or whatever it happens to be. Uh, and so being able to tailor his program has really been the best. The one thing I encourage homeschooling families with special needs students to do is uh, don't try to do what anybody else does. Uh, I have written uh, articles about you know, special needs homeschooling, and I tell people the way I homeschool my child is not necessarily the way you do because you need to find that very unique balance between their learning styles, their needs, their strengths, because even your special needs, even your special needs students are going to have strengths. You Absolutely. maximize those mm -hmm. uh, and you can tailor exactly what you're doing. And it is not going to look like anybody else's program. It's not going to look like anybody else's process. I don't think it should. Uh, right. Parents are, are uniquely qualified simply because they know their children so well. And so I encourage uh, special needs uh, families uh, that are homeschooling to really dig in, uh, find resources, read them, uh, or you know access whatever resources there are, uh, but don't feel like you have to lock into anything. There's no magic pill uh, right. except for you to find your perfect balance. And that, and that really is, if you want to call it the, 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 the key, if you will, is to find that perfect balance. And it's going to be so unique to you as a family and to your students. And so I highly encourage families that have uh, that challenge to meet that challenge. Uh, and they are capable. I can, I can confirm that they are. Absolutely. That's excellent advice. And what an encouragement. And I think that advice applies to any parent of any child that they're homeschooling, irregardless if they, their child has special needs or not, because you are correct. Every single child learns different, you know, differently. They, and, and we can customize that. As homeschool parents, we can customize our children's education to fit what works best for every single child that we have in the family. And even Absolutely. large families, you, we have five children. All five of them learn differently. 
So you have the freedom and the flexibility as a homeschool family to be able to customize each one's education independently. Now, one big reason I brought you on today, well, there's lots of reasons, and I'm, I'm sure I'll have to invite you back again because you're such a wealth of knowledge, and I want our listeners to be able to benefit from all you have to offer. But one thing that I wanted to offer our listening audience is a perspective from fathers, a father's perspective on homeschooling, because one of the many things that I hear mothers say to me is they might not necessarily have a husband that is on board with homeschooling. And so what do you what would you say to fathers from your perspective? What do you think a father's role in homeschooling should be? Absolutely. Well, I tell you this, the, I, I think the father's role is crucial. Um, it, it is imperative that a father is not just involved, uh, but I believe a father is the leader of the home. I believe the father is the spiritual leader of the home. And in that sense, uh, there absolutely must be uh, an active participation in, uh, in, in the home education process. Now, I understand that most uh, fathers are full-time employed, many times out of the house, if not all the time out of the house. Uh, and I can really address this from two perspectives, because when we started homeschooling, that's where I was. I was the outside of the home, uh, working outside of the home father, um, being supportive of my wife who was doing the homeschooling as, as we, as we uh, typically talk about it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think it's imperative. It's imperative because I believe every father is going to stand before God and give an account for how their children were raised. And by raised, I mean educated and discipled. Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't see those two things as separate. I believe education is discipleship. I believe when you are discipling your children, you are educating them. Yeah. Uh, and in our society, we tend to compartmentalize or separate those things into two different, but I, I see them as the same thing. And I think fathers are responsible for being involved. What I encourage fathers to do is just find those ways to be involved. I talk about, uh, you know, family discipleship. Uh, well, that's something that should happen in every Christian home, right? So mm-hmm. a father can be involved in that way. And whether you call that as part of homeschooling or not, it is part of your children's education. So that obviously can happen after uh, after work hours. Being involved, supporting your wife, uh, decision-making for curriculum, for uh, things of that nature, that is critical because I think a lot of wives uh, really uh, really want, uh, need, and uh, are encouraged by the support of a husband uh, mm-hmm. who gets involved to the extent that he can, uh, even if it's in just those decision-making processes. Yes. You know, How do we get what it is uh, that we need? But then I also encourage fathers to just find something they can do with their kids. And I don't care if it's a skill. I mean, if you know how to do something, you know, work on cars or carpentry, I'll raise my hand and admit that that is not my thing. But if that's what you can do, teach your children to do that. You know, if, if there's a subject that you're uh, perhaps a little more adept at than, than your wife is, or just more comfortable with, uh, you take that subject. And I think when we think outside the box, you know, we know homeschooling doesn't have to happen between nine o'clock in the morning and three o'clock in the afternoon or whatever hours we might set for ourselves. Absolutely. You know, so if a dad takes a subject, he's better at math. He takes that subject, you work on it uh, in the evenings, two or three days a week. And that's, you know, his uh, uh, ability to take one little thing off uh, of his wife's plate so that she can have a little bit more flexibility. Then he's engaging with his children. He understands they're learning a lot better. Now, when he's involved in the decision-making process, he's making wise decisions because now he knows his children better having worked with them in any respect, whether it's an academic topic or a skill. Uh, one of the things my family does is martial arts. So my kids participate with me in martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a business, so they're, they're getting business experience as they go through, uh, and they just, you know, they understand that uh, little piece of it, and so I'm able to contribute that. So I think the father's role 
uh, is critical. There are a few fathers out there like me that are taking on uh, the bulk of the burden uh, of, of home education, and that's great too. I like to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with fathers who are doing who are doing that. But I understand that most are in that what we would consider a supporting role. But I would even right. not call it a supporting role. I really would like to call it a leading role. That's what I think fathers need to do. They need to take the lead. They need to be as involved as they can be. Mm -hmm. uh, because I do believe one day each and every one of us will give an account to God and fathers, especially for the raising, teaching, training, education, and discipleship. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, families... In our family, um, my husband, he works full time and he has long hours, but he is very supportive of homeschooling. And he was actually the one that recommended that I begin my homeschooling journey. And I kind of went kicking and screaming there at the beginning. But I, <laughs> I did submit to those wishes. And we we laugh about that now because I'm, I, I often say I listened that time. I'm so thankful that I did because it was the right decision for our family and such a blessing. And and if you're listening, I will tell you that my husband's job, a very crucial one, is to teach all of our children how to how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have three that have reached that stage and beyond. And when it, we came to that, I said, "This is your this this is your arena." <laughs> so I have I have one who's been through that and uh, one that's upcoming, upcoming. So I understand that. Yes, absolutely. So yes, from that was great advice for fathers. You are going to give an account, like you said, biblically about how your how your children were raised and and your place in the family and and wives need that support from their husbands. So I'm hoping that with our free your children radio ministry. One of the many goals that I have is to bring other fathers like yourself on the show to talk about a father's role in homeschooling and why that is so crucial and important. And that goes hand in hand, I feel like, with the church's role in homeschooling. So I know you're very involved in church ministry. So speaking from a biblical perspective, what do you feel like the church's role should be in homeschooling? Uh, yes, and I would I will start off with saying this: the, the church has a role, but primarily I'm going to say the pastor has a role. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason I say that, obviously, pastor is the leader of the church, uh, put in that position by God uh, to oversee the flock that uh, that God has entrusted to him. Yes, uh, and I and I think pastors, uh, if they dig into the Word of God, um, some I think are going to be surprised to find out how much the Word of God says about education. Because I think there's kind of a, a misnomer, if you will, that eh, the Bible really doesn't talk about that. So eh, maybe not such a uh, maybe not such a big thing for me to focus on. Uh, and perhaps in a larger congregation, you've got a pastor who has people who are involved in education, whether they be, you know, teachers, administrators or other employees of uh, public, private, uh, other kinds of schools, whatever it happens to be. Uh, but I think if pastors dig into the word of God, not only would they uh, see and some no doubt already realize that there is a lot in the Bible about education. Uh, education. But I think the problem has come where we have compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, I like to use that term because of, I, it comes from my military background, but separating things into their individual compartments. Mm -hmm. uh, and unfortunately, education, specifically academic ed education, think, uh, you know, the three R's and so forth, uh, get put in a box. And that is completely separated in many people's minds from discipleship, Christian faith formation, uh, the training that goes on for you know various uh, age groups or people groups within our churches, and we have separated that to the extent that we no real, no longer really see the crossover between them. 
and so for churches, I believe it's important for them to really delve into that. For pastors, I believe it's important for them to, so that they can address education within their faith communities, within their churches, uh, because there is such a fall away. Uh, done a lot of research as far as uh, looking up, you know, statistics and. One of the main research groups that I go to for information like this is called Barna Group, and they've put out a lot of information about the status of Christianity in the United States, yep. uh, the fall away from Christianity, and the percentages are just staggering. Yes, It is somewhere in the 85 to 90 percent range of Christian young people who will either leave the church or completely leave their faith somewhere in their late teens to early 20s young adulthood. And that is just mind-boggling. When you think about the perpetuation of our faith, uh, that is not sustainable. Uh, right. Over the years, it, you know, I mean, it makes it makes no surprise when you walk into many churches nowadays, and perhaps you see uh, a number of elderly people, and you perhaps see a few young people, but you really don't see anybody in the uh, in the middle age range, if you if you will. Right. Uh, they're just they're just not there anymore. Uh, but then, when you also consider other facts, for instance, about eighty to ninety percent of children from Christian homes are attending public schools. Right. And when you match those two things up, it is it is unbelievably uncanny that we are sending so many of our children to public schools. So many are walking away from the faith. And it's not a stretch uh, to connect those two, especially when you start tying in education and discipleship. So again, right. we think of those as separate things. I'm going to get educated. I'm going to get my high school diploma. Discipleship means I finish my Sunday school program at church. Mm -hmm. But all education is inherently religious. Even education that tries to be non-religious takes God out, ignores him, uh, sidelines him, and it teaches the religion of secular humanism. I know there's those that will debate whether or not you want to call that a, an actual religion, but the Supreme Court has said it is, and it, right. it has it has the same protections mm -hmm. under the under the First Amendment. So that's what they're teaching, and they are being taught that for so many hours. Some calculations. Yeah calculations up to 17,000 hours over the course of a K-12 education. Mm -hmm. And I know that number varies some, but 17,000 hours. And then if you contrast that with maybe a thousand hours or a few hundred hours of Bible instruction, uh, and even that Bible instruction by statistical, uh, by statistical assessment is very limited, very, right. uh, very baseline, if you will. Right. It's not really there to overcome and right. it's not. It's not overcoming what these children are being taught. So I think that's where the church has its biggest role. The church's yes. role is gospel discipleship. That's in the mm -hmm. Great Commission. Well, the church does that for families, and families should do that for children. And it should roll down in that sense. You know, we have scriptures where men are supposed to strengthen men as far as, like, you know, teaching others who are able to follow how mm -hmm. the elderly ladies are to teach the younger ladies. So we can see that that flows in the church ministry in a teaching perspective, but then it flows from there down to the parents who get their directives from scriptures like Deuteronomy chapter six and uh, uh, scripture in Ephesians and one in Proverbs that talk about training up our children in the way they should go uh, and teaching them about the Lord day in and day out from the time they get up to the time they lay down. And all those commandments that we still apply to us, I believe are what the church can help facilitate by the church teaching the families so that the families can teach their children. And I, I honestly think if there's going to be an awakening in our country, a spiritual awakening in our country, it's going to be because the pastors stand up behind the pulpits and yes. bold enough to say things yep. like, no, it is not right to send your children to a school where they're going to be taught secular humanism. Amen. Uh, people ask, people ask this question mm -hmm. all the time, you know, 
uh, I think I answered it the other day. I was talking in the social media conversation, you know, well, you know, kind of what's so bad about that? Well, I said, well, let's turn the question around. Would you send your children to a school that taught them another faith, be it Islam or Hindu or something along those lines? And of course, when you say that, people immediately are thinking, no, I wouldn't do that. Well, there's the disconnect. The disconnect is the thought that the public schools teach neutrality, that Mm -hmm. they're not religious. Uh, But in in taking out everything religious, they absolutely have created uh, uh, a de facto state religion of secular humanism. Atheism is the basis for it. Mm -hmm. Naturalism is the fundamental presupposition of their science courses. And all of that goes with secular humanism. So that's the that's the communication I try to get across to pastors uh, is that they absolutely must take an active role uh, teaching the whole counsel of the word of God. And it absolutely is imperative that they do that. Absolutely. I penned an article for the Borough Pulse titled The Elephant in the Room, and it discusses everything that we just talked about. And I encourage pastors and church leadership to understand that the church's main responsibility is to create disciples. Well, if all of our children are falling away from the faith, there's not going to be any disciples to create to send out to spread the gospel. So you're exactly right. I feel like it is the most important ministry that churches should be focusing on. Um, If we want to continue being a nation based on Judeo-Christian values, we have to make sure that our children are being discipled. And that needs to start at home and parents need to take that responsibility seriously. And my belief is that churches should do everything they can to equip, particularly pastors like you just spoke about, need to be willing to stand up in the pulpit and speak truth. Absolutely. And equip the families. So tell us a little bit about the work that you've done research-wise in regards to homeschooling. Certainly. So I actually completed my uh, postgraduate degree in education in 2020. uh, And the main research project I was involved in was my dissertation project. It was entitled The Lived Experience of Homeschooling Families and the Transference of faith tradition. Uh, As academics, we can never do anything short, so the title is long. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, this is something that you can actually find if your library has access to a database called ProQuest. You can actually look up by my name and that title, uh, and you can find it. And of course, as an academic document, it's kind of hard to read through. But the point of it was this. I wanted to get with families and discuss, have them uh, give narratives to me about what they did in their homeschool environment that allowed them to pass their faith tradition on to their children. And then I analyzed the the text data that came out of all of those interviews. Um, and basically, I came down to a group of things, you might call them best practices, uh, or focus areas uh, of how children were passed faith tradition, because they were homeschooled. And the, and the answer boils down to this, there's usually three things that most families get involved with, to help their children develop their faith. And that is their church, their homeschool community, and their home as in and of itself. And there were certain things which in, within each one of those groups that kind of came out as, as data points that were more significant than the other. You know, what was used at church, what was used in the homeschool uh, community, what was used at home. And of course, as you can imagine, things like, you know, the curriculum that was mostly done at home. Uh, a lot of social engagement was done in homeschool communities. Uh, various uh, activities at churches, youth groups and Sunday schools and so forth was done at church. Uh, but when I diagrammed all of those things together and kind of created three circles that overlap, there was one thing that hit in the center of all three of those. And that was the word of God. Mm-hmm. So for Christian homeschooling families, the central piece of your children's education and discipleship 
is the word of God. And if the church and the homeschooling community and the home are all online and all contributing, uh, a synergy exists between those elements to help your children gain the most that they can gain in their walk with the Lord and in their knowledge of God. Now, we know everyone's an individual. Everyone has free will. Uh, there are choices that people make, and homeschooling isn't a panacea. Uh, there are children from Christian homes who have been homeschooled their entire career and still walked away from the faith. We know that happens. Mm -hmm. So we're not saying that is a, you know, not saying that it's a magic pill, but there is, right. I think, a way for churches and especially when the church is the hub of that homeschooling community, so a church with perhaps a homeschool cooperative or some sort of home education support ministry mm -hmm. and the families, the tie together of those things to help build the family's faith formation, to help build the discipleship program within the family. And I'm going to give an example. I'm part of a cooperative church uh, that, that I attend in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And one of the things this co-op is designed to do is have not just a chapel service as part of the co-op, it does have that, but to then provide something for families because perhaps some families don't have uh, the background in their own adult discipleship to be able to put on these programs and to give that to the families. So through the co-op, then if the families are drawn into the church, then also in their home discipleship program, all of this is working together to help the family become stronger, the parents as much as the kids. Right. To, grow in their faith. And so I think it's it's that synergistic effort working together, all those different elements that feed into a, a, a child's education and discipleship. And again, I throw those words together all the time because I don't think they need to be separated, education and discipleship. I yes. wish I had one word that encapsulated both of them, but for now, we'll just keep saying that. Right. Uh, it, the more that those things can work together, the more uh, likely our children are going to retain uh, not just accept, but accept and retain their faith tradition of their family. And to be honest with you, this is the same regardless of the faith tradition. Right. Uh, I come from a Baptist background. Mm -hmm. I think if a family did the exact same thing and perhaps they were Catholic or, or, or another faith tradition, then it would be the same thing. They yes. would draw together uh, their family. They would draw together that training of their children and enhance it tremendously. So that was the research project I was involved in. Uh, I haven't gotten involved in a ton of other research work. Uh, but I do, I am involved in a research institute, uh, and I think we're probably going to end up talking about that at a different time, but, you know, just right. uh, great yeah. to be involved in those things that support home education as much as I can. Absolutely. Doctor, can you tell our listeners where they can find you if they want to connect with you or want more information about what you do and who you are and services that you offer? How could they connect with you? Absolutely. The best way to do it is to follow on social media. Uh, I have a handle. It's at home education doctor and doctor is abbreviated DR. So at home education DR. And you can find that on the social media platforms, Facebook, uh, MeWe, Gab, Parlay, and Twitter. I'm also on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn doesn't use the handle. So you just have to search my name, Douglas Petersma. I know it's hard to spell, but it's probably going to be, it's, it'll be up in my bio there. Right. Uh, so following that, I, I try to put out a lot of information, just supportive uh, of home education families and what they can do. But I also put out a lot of information uh, about public schooling, the detriments of it and so forth. And I do that so that parents are armed with knowledge so that they can help encourage others to uh, extricate themselves from public education uh, or government schooling, as I, as I prefer to call it. Uh, mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of information that flows out on that, uh, on those social media sites. And then from there, you can connect with me. I, I answer all of the, the messaging from those. Uh, and, and emails and so forth. It's it's all on there as well. Fantastic. And I will have all the links where you can contact 
Dr. Peter Smut over on my For Your Children Facebook page as well. And I want to leave you with this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19. Parents, it is our biblical mandate to disciple our own children. The most important work you will do is within the walls of your own home. We love you here at WXRQ, but remember, Jesus loves you so much more. Good night and God bless.